So I had another question for you, sir. What's your thing? I don't know if we've explored the topic of music very deep. Ooh. Probably have not. We mostly talked about writing and film and books. Music yeah. is something we have not touched on. What do you have in mind? Well, what are three bands you couldn't live without? Oh, man. Pink Floyd. Absolutely. Clearly. Pink Floyd, for one. Um, Pink Floyd. Let me see what else. This is where it gets a little more difficult because then I have to then I have to decide like what other groups I want to. See, I don't I don't necessarily follow groups as much. I follow individual songs. I'm more a la carte because I've I've never. What really are three songs you can't live without? Echoes by Pink Floyd. Okay. All along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Obviously, I like the Dylan version better, but go on. Yeah, the, the Dylan version is good, but I I I think I think I'll, Hendrix was the original, wasn't he? No, Dylan, Dylan was the original. Oh, well, Hendrix is pretty of, good. It's one of those versions. That, it's one of those things where like Dylan did the original and someone else did it, and it's arguably better. If oh, yeah. Know. No, it's, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. I, I like the Dylan version just because I was exposed to like a real rough. Rough's not the right word. It's um obscure uh, recording. Mm-hmm. of watchtower by dylan that's not the popular one it's it's an obscure one and it was at iupy and it was at the history of rock and roll like volume <laughs> one or two yeah and i can't find that version yeah and i wish i could those are, the, those are like those things you hear late at night like when you're listening to some like local radio station it's like not owned by a fucking cumulus or whatever and you like hear this and you hear this version and you're like it opens your eyes it's like it's like a fucking take it's like a drug experience or something um, cause I had an experience like that. I'll, I'll give something, I'll give something, I'll tell a story about myself before we first trying to decide, do I want to, uh, so it's echoes by Pink Floyd all along the watchtower by Jimmy Hendrix experience and, um, house of the rising sun by the animals. And it would probably give me shelter by the rolling stones if I had to pick a fourth, but, um, the part of the reason that I love Echoes by Pink Floyd so much, the, especially the Pompeii the version they did, like live at Pompeii, which is if you've never seen that video, I can send it to you. It's one of the most phenomenal fucking music videos ever. Basically, what they did, they released it as part of like a. This is like before music videos were a thing. It came out in like '71, so it's about ten years before MTV even existed. But what they did is they recorded themselves over the span of a couple of days playing their song Echoes in this ancient and it's like 2000 year old amphitheater in pompeii to no audience and like the comments on the youtube video are just fucking they're like so phenomenal because it's people like you know the, the ancient the ancient romans built this amphitheater just for pink floyd to play this and then of course yeah. my favorite one which is pink floyd has sent more people to space than nasa yeah. but i listened to that song one of the one of the first times i ever listened to it after i discovered it or not, you know, like the, I heard it for the first time on some video on like Reddit or whatever. I was driving home from work at three o'clock in the morning. This is back when I still worked third shift at the red, at the supermarket. I was feeling sick because I hadn't had my medicine. My head was hurting. And I was driving home at three o'clock in the morning and I was basically high because I was going through like withdrawals from medicine. And I'm listening to this fucking psychedelic rock song by Pink Floyd. And I was like, medicine has been prescribed to you by a licensed physician. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Just just for our listeners benefit. Of course. Yes. This is medicine that, you know, I've been taking for years now. It's just that 
part of the, I think the, the only reason I didn't take, I, I was on, I was not taking it those days is because I was on such a fucked up sleep schedule with the, yeah. with the third shift that I forgot to take it for a couple of days. And it's one of those ones where if you get to take it for a couple of days, it really lets you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was basically, like I said, I was basically going through withdrawal from this medicine. So I was kind of high and I was listening to Pink Floyd and driving through the dark at like three o'clock in the morning in like February or March or something. <laughs> it was really surreal. Yeah. Yeah. The brain will do that to you. If you want to go back to songs you can't live without, I would say there is a, well, there's there's a band I love called Blue October, mm-hmm. and the front man I know what the is, story is yeah the front man is uh, the lead uh, the lead singer and the the main writer Justin Ferland, I think that's how you say his name, and there they have a song called Breakfast After Ten. It's about getting over a breakup, and I was driving, I was le- I was getting off active duty, and I was leaving El Paso, and I remember my 99 Dodge Grand Caravan, uh, the speed sensor had gone out. So I'm driving and I can't really tell how fast I'm going. You kind of know what 4550 feels like, right? After a time. Yeah, I'm like, this is probably 45 or 50, right? Like my cop's not, that's not what a judge is going to vibe with. But, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, uh, and and as I find a place, I find a mechanic probably two hours south of El Paso. Uh, I hear breakfast after That's ten. Mexico, dude. No, it's but okay. So I'm on I ten going. I'm on I ten going. What east? I was about to, okay, so east of El Paso. Two hours <laughs> outside, southeast of El Paso. Okay, that makes that makes more sense. I was El not. I was literally on the friggin' border. I know I'm li- I'm not I I have not had the chance to go to Mexico yet and honestly I'm good. But no, I caught breakfast after 10 and then on my way home I kept listening to it. I kept discovering more Blue October and there is a uh album they put out called Foiled where every every song is beautiful and it's sad and it's soaked in melancholy. And I had just broken up with uh, a woman at the time. And at the time, it loomed so large in my life, this breakup. Oh, my God. Just a sad, sad 23, 24-year-old version of me. And and so I'm listening to this sad breakup music that's so, so densely melancholic and perfect and delicious. And... Because at the time, the lead singer had just gotten clean from like he he had just just finished ruining his life with hardcore drugs. And this was the album he wrote after he kicked drugs and got clean and got his shit together and started rebuilding things. And oh, dude, it's so good. And and that's probably foiled plus breakfast after 10 you gotta have um anything by the foo fighters we'll say before 2015 yeah. uh because i love the foo fighters but 
at a certain point you're like oh you're just kind of contractually obligated to make albums see it's funny a lot of the albums like if we're talking albums instead of individual songs a lot of the albums that i couldn't live without are like movie soundtracks yeah i could, I could not live without the lord of the rings music the music to halo 2 um revenge of the I, sith album is pretty good oh yeah well, basically anything john williams ever did for steven spielberg or george lucas is like fucking give it to me give it to me now um basically uh anything that Hans Zimmer has done for like um you know Christopher Nolan or guys like that um the soundtrack to the Martian comes readily to mind and then of course there's um then there's the the, the greats like uh, probably though if I had if I had to water it all if I had to narrow it all down to one movie soundtrack album that I could take with me to a desert island if I only had like three like three discs I could take mm-hmm. it would be it would be Vangelis's um Blade Runner soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of figured it would be something to do with Blade Runner for you. Because <laughs> that's just such fucking good music. Like I could, li- I I used to like when I worked at Best Buy. Um, or do you want me to name the place, or do you want me to go ahead? That? Best Buy's fine. Okay, when I worked when I worked at Best Buy, I used to listen to Blade Runner Blues, which is the sound, which is like the soundtrack that comes on. It comes on twice in the movie. It comes on when Deckard is like looking out over its balcony after Rachel leaves the first time after she comes to his apartment, and then it, it comes on again when Deckard kills Zora, the uh, first the first female replicant that dies. Yeah, but actually the first replicant that dies, I think, in the movie, and it's that sort of sad like it's the first time. It, it's one of the things that made me fall in love with Blade Runner because when I first watched that movie, I was like, oh, this is like. This is like sax. This is like sad saxophone music you'd hear in an old noir film, except they're doing it with synthesizers. Yeah, so fucking on point because it was it, it it fit the vibe and the aesthetic of Blade Runner so perfectly that it, it it it's it's just one of the things that immerses you in the story because it's like oh even the music is future is is future noir. Yeah, kind of hits you at the right time. Yeah. It's like you know we're we're talking about like songs that you know you can only listen to once, like you can only listen to the first time once. Um, I was when you were talking when we were talking a minute ago about like like when I listened to Echoes coming home and you know sort of an old sort of a weird state of mind, and you were you know driving through the driving around listening to Blue October. The first time I ever heard a song, song by a band band called Great White, which is an old like hair metal group from the eighties. Um, there's a song called "Rock Me," which is is like a sort of a power, like a like a it's like a like a metal power, like a like a hair metal power ballad or whatever you want to call it. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I heard that song for the first time, like Thanksgiving week, or like the night of like the night before Thanksgiving, probably like six years ago, six yeah. or seven years ago. Because I was I, I remember it was a night that I was working at Best Buy, funnily enough, and what I did. I worked until like eight o'clock p.m. or even eight. It might, might even have been later. It might have been like eleven o'clock p.m. I, I worked a long shift on one day, and then I drove through the night to get to my aunt and uncle's house in South Bend, Indiana, and stayed with them. Had Thanksgiving dinner, you know, pretty much like that fucking like the other song, Arlo Guthrie song. I had Thanksgiving dinner. It couldn't be beat. And then I like took a nap, and then I drove back through the night to go to go to like a like 5 a.m. shift for Black Friday. Yeah. That's probably that's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. That's but, a that's a turn and burn right there. Oh yeah. And 
you know, that, that, that song, I think, again, I think it was one of the, it might not have been that trip, but it was one of those trips because I know I made that trip up to South Bend, like in, in the, in the nighttime a couple times. And this song, it's, you know, for, for those of our listeners who haven't heard it, just look, just look it up. It's called, it's called Rock Me by Great, by Great White. And it's, it's just, it's a, it's, it's like a, it, it's basically what it rocks you. It's just, you know, rock me through the night. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to describe, you know, you, I, I don't have a good singing voice. I don't have, you know, if, if I, I could only ever play one instrument and that was a friggin' oboe. So you're, you play the oboe. Yeah. Yeah. I used to play the, I played the violin for eight or nine years. I yeah. got it. Yeah. I would I say think, if there's another song I can't live without, in addition to breakfast after 10 by blue October. Um, are you familiar with William Shatner's extended discography? I am not. So his Is second one of his album, spoken word poems. Well, yes, but also there's quite a few. There's like he'll get like Garth Brooks and people to work with him and stuff, and 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 uh, Ben Folds did a lot of work with him uh, in the 2000s, and they did a cover of a song by the band pulp it was called common people and uh the the chorus goes you want to live with common people you want to do whatever common people do you want to sleep with common people you want to sleep with common people like you and or i want to sleep with common people like you and it's it's about it's about class division it's about Mm -hmm. um you know, a rich girl slumming it with some poor guys. It's about people being a tourist in poverty, right? Like there's a line where it says, you can call your dad and he could stop it all. And like, you have a way out of this. You could go live in a nice house with plenty of food. Uh, and we all live here. And 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 this is just like, uh a fun experience this is a summer vacation for you and these are our lives and and i vibed with that so hard and i related to it and as i get older it affects me differently now nick because now i'm the tourist you know i don't i don't actively tour you know but it's more I don't live that experience anymore. I have memories of it, mm-hmm. of money troubles and things. And I don't really have those anymore. And, and I'm very aware of that. And I'm very aware of my place in life and how good my life is and how it doesn't have to be so good. And so I should always remember how it is. And I know it sounds goofy, but that silly, silly man, William Shatner, put it together an album of covers and kind of spoken word rock songs in 2004 and i swear to god it was the album of my summer of my 17th year right <laughs> i was 17 years old and i listened to uh william shatter's common people album uh a thousand times um uh, uh he talks about being there he has a song called, no it's called has been I think the album's called Has Been. And he has a song called Has Been. And he goes, Has Been Might Be Again. Has Been implies I tried. What has you tried? And kind of just being being himself. And William Shatter as a recording artist 
um, shouldn't work. And it just barely does. But if you can take the ride with it, oh, it's so it's so camp fun. I'm I'm reading his series of Star Trek spinoff novels right now. Yeah. Where in Star Trek Seven Generations, Kirk dies, and William Shatner's like, but what if he didn't? And then they wrote like 10 books and he recorded all of them. And it's where Kirk is like palling around with Jean-Luc Picard and like <laughs> for real, like fucking uh 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 <laughs> And there, okay, so he wrote a book called The Ashes of Eden, where it takes place between Star Trek Six Generations, no, Star Trek Six, The Undiscovered Country, and Star Trek Seven Generations, where the Enterprise is decommissioned, the crew is split up, and Kirk, who is 60, starts shacking up with this woman who's maybe 25. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, that sounds like Shatner. It does. And, and 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 but to his credit, Spock and McCoy are like fucking really, bro. Like, are 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 you serious? And so, like, because his he retires, and then the the plot of so it is it's is, basically Star Trek Kirk. Instead, it's Star, Star Trek Kirk, right? And <laughs> hey, man, I'm here for it, right? I'm in. I'm already. I read all these when I was a kid, and. And it's really the catalyst of I, I became obsessed at an early age with like the last gunfighters, like the get the, the the final adventure of the of the old gunslinger, right? Mm-hmm. And although reading William Shatter be like, he's just there there's a woman who's the leader of this planet, and then she's like, Come with me, it's the fountain of youth. Let's bang and ride horses on my planet. And Kirk's like, Yeah. <laughs> That sounds great. Thank you very much. Horses, horses. It's got to be horses since it's shattered. It's got to be horses. It's, I'm such a fan of William Shatter. And you, you have to, you can't take it too seriously. You just got to no. be like, yeah, this is delicious camp. Just kind of roll with it. Yeah. But, totally. Yeah. So what are you reading these days? Anything good? Uh, I just actually, what did I just start listening to? I just started, li- I, I, I mostly listen to books nowadays. I just started listening to a book uh, called The Rise and Reign of the Mammals, which is by a guy named Stephen Brusati, who is a paleontologist who works at the, I want to say, the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Yeah. I listened to a book of his about maybe two or three years ago. I think when I was working, no, it might have been longer than that, but he, he wrote a book a few years back called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs. Okay. And as a paleontologist, his primary interest was the dinosaurs, and specifically like how they how they fell and how you know how they like how they went extinct and the end of their reign and all that stuff. Um, but he said he even said because I only I only listened to the introduction of this new book so far. I listened to it while I was taking a shower this afternoon, actually, because that's one of the places where I listen to books is while I'm showering or driving or working, like sure. stuff. Um, but, I get that. Yeah, he was talking about how. Um, when he when he after since he's moved to the University of Edinburgh to 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 teach there and be a professor, he's sort of strayed from dinosaurs a little bit, and these nice mammal people have let them into their world, and it's and because he said the way he puts it, it's interesting because mammal you know prehistoric mammals even you know no matter how far we go back even if we go back a couple hundred million years like the dawn of the the, the dawn of the mammal epoch you know which yeah. mammals emerged around the same time as dinosaurs for those of our listeners who don't know. Um, uh, you know, they're relatable. 
because they're us, you know. There's all, all the mammals that have ever been are more closely related to us than the other species, the other, you know, form of life on the earth. So, sure. Yeah, listen, I was listening to that. I started listening to a book, kind of a campy sort of like space opera book. Um, that I'll probably finish at some point called The Circuit, I want to say, which is by a guy who's like, What's a it about? It's about. It's part, part of the reason I wanted to listen to it is I was kind of like checking out the competition because stop me if you've heard this one. It's set like it's set a couple hundred, it's set a few hundred years in the future. And there's tension between like the outer solar system and Ceres <laughs> and Earth is kind of not in the picture. And the main characters are people from the outer solar system who are trying to stop Ceres from doing stuff. Sure. To them. So, or something like that. I so look from, forward to it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I sometimes listen, I sometimes listen to books, not, not just for entertainment, but also to see what the, what the, what the, uh, what the opposition is up to. Definitely. Or, or not, not opposition, but like, um, competition. So have you had a chance to watch those Star Trek DVDs? Yeah. The one, you mean Star Trek changing the worlds? Yeah. The one I gave you. I watched that on Paramount plus last year, dude. Oh right! Yeah, I didn't I, know. I, I, I'm I'm happy to have it, but that's what I can have yeah. it on, on like a physical copy. But I, yeah, we my, my dad and I watched those when they aired. I didn't realize that. No, That'd but yeah, fun. no. I so I we had Stranger. We were part of Stranger Worlds trivia at a pub in town, and uh, we won third place. And I already had a, a, a copy of Stranger Worlds on Blu-ray for season one. And so I thought, oh, I bet Nick doesn't have that. Yeah. Well, I don't. Well, like I said, it's it's good to have a physical copy because uh, unless Blu-ray like fucking belly goes belly up sometime in the next five years, which God forbid, um, you should still have access to that sort of stuff. Because like my 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 ex my Xbox can play Blu-ray discs. That's yeah. I, that, that I actually use my Xbox as a DVD player these days. I haven't played a game on it probably in about a couple of years. That would make a lot of sense, yeah. So, I um, I mean, I have. I mean, you've seen my house; it's covered in DVDs and stuff. Yeah, and I also cool. have every streaming service on demand. But uh, I don't think the streaming services will be around very much longer. Yeah, the streaming wars are probably building to a head. When when that when that boiling point comes, it's probably not going to be very fun because no. It's, it's just you know they they keep they keep out they keep trying to outcompete one another and the problem with everyone trying to outcompete one another is sooner or later everyone dies. Yeah, and you know they're just I think they run out of money. Yeah, especially with this stuff going on this year and all the all the stuff yeah. that's going on with um, well, cause, I mean look at how unsustainable the streaming model is. You know, it makes them supposedly makes them so much money, but um at the same time they're also like well we don't want to pay our actors and writers and it's like well fuck you then you don't deserve to exist yeah yeah there's a part of me that's like well maybe we'll just i don't know it's like maybe i saw it's... i saw an article just this afternoon as i was just like hanging out and reading reading stuff or just this evening rather while i was reading stuff on uh, facebook talking about how netflix is in the is that one of netflix's pr- a little devious practices is when they release a film like, say, Glass Onion, to try and get it available for Oscar contention, they only release it long enough to make it available for Oscar contention, but not long enough to to qualify it as a theatrical release, so they don't have to pay 
theatrical uh, uh, dividends to their actors and writers and you know crews and stuff. So that's just fucking it's asinine. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, I and mine's on a smaller on a micro. It mm-hmm. barely exists, but and. The previous iteration of Divided by Zero Books in our heyday, I always was really proud when I was able to pay people, right? Like, I was like, oh, we made some money somehow. Here's your share, (laughs) you know? I, because I was, that meant I did my job as publisher, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, sir, I think we can stop there. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit afterward. For the Blank Board for Solitude, I am Derwin. You're on, Nick. And we will see you next Monday morning at 0700. So you got a call for a job offer. Yeah. Yesterday, that's August 28th of 2023, I got this call about a position I had applied for at one of the NASA contractors that would be at NASA headquarters in D.C. So like, you know, within a couple blocks of the the Capitol building um, where I would be working as a communication specialist helping basically do exactly what I do now at Goddard, except I'd be doing it at NASA headquarters and potentially rubbing shoulders with like, you know, like the leaders of NASA and different divisions and stuff. So that's pretty fucking cool if I do say so my own self. Okay. Um, so it'd just be science writing at the Capitol? Well, it'd be science writing and like memo. It'd be a little bit of all sorts of different types of communication, but mostly science writing, yes. Mostly like working on communications and outreach for nasa that would be based at the headquarters location which is i don't know dc i don't know the layout of dc at all so i i, I can't like place it on a map but it's again it's very close to the capital because I, I did go there during the summer for for one day for like i've heard it's day. mostly damp caves for lizard people but go on well you're not wrong about the damp cave part because freaking <laughs> dc is all a big swamp i've told several people that and they just you know, not a metaphorical swamp, a literal one. Yes. We're not talking about the whole green swamp. No, it's, 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 you know, there's some, there's the, the truth. The only truth to that is that, yes, DC, like the whole DMV area used to be a big bog, basically, you know, um, before they paved it all over and turned it into the capital of the United States. That's great. Do you know, wait, did you, so it wasn't like a firm offer then? No, it was not an offer yet. So far, all it was was a phone call. They said they'd get back in touch with me sometime in the next couple of days, and I'd probably have a virtual interview um, Thursday or Friday. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So, but, but the, the reason I'm, I'm excited about it is because the guy I talked to, whose name I forget and probably shouldn't share anyway, so we're not going to mess with that. Um, uh, he, uh, he seemed very, the guy I talked to seemed very adamant about, or very not adamant, adamant's not the right word, very very enthused about me as a candidate. He, he, he seemed like, Oh, well, this is kind of a sure thing. So again, I may be over, I may be like over interpreting things or reading too much into it, but it seemed like there was a good chance this could work out. Cause <laughs> like to, to be called up and be like, Hey, are you interested in this position? And it's like, Oh yeah, they, they, they might want me. It is so exciting to watch you find success in real time Thank you. and see your rocket ship take off. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, is that a cat hair or a beard hair? That'll be the tag.